0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior podcast. We have a special podcast with Trey Yingst, live from Israel, who's covering the war over there between Israel and Hamas. Trey is quickly becoming known as the war correspondent of our era, and it's because of the tireless work he's uh, he's put in. Trey, thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me
0: give everyone just a, a quick sort of snapshot of your life and how many
1: wars you've covered up to this point. So I've been covering wars for the past nine years. One of the first wars I covered was actually inside Gaza during an operation that led to a much larger conflict called Sukhatan here in Israel. It was a war between Israel and Gaza in 2014. I was 20 years old. I took my backpack and a camera and went into the Gaza Strip, covered the war from the inside then. And then uh, since then, I've covered uh, quite a number of, of hot spots around the world, uh, protests domestically in the United States. And then also since I've been at Fox, really all over. I was in Ukraine the night the Russians invaded. I spent 185 days in Ukraine covering the conflict there, not just in the capital of Kyiv and the front lines when they were around the city, but also on the Eastern and Southern front. I've reported from Iraq, from Lebanon, from the Gulf, uh, really all over and uh, every war that's erupted between Israel and Gaza the past few years. So it's been uh, a lot to cover and, and a lot to see, but I think that I'm uniquely built for this type of work, and so it's, it's, I'm in my element here.
0: Well, Trey, I, I know you were born and raised in Pennsylvania. What drove you to this line of work? Because at this point, you've seen more combat than I did in my 20 years as a SEAL. I mean, what drives somebody to put themselves in harm's way to make sure that the information's being reported accurately to give the world a sense of what's going on and the tragedy that's occurring.
1: Yeah, I think the work that war correspondents do is is quite admirable and not talking about my own work, but my colleagues in the industry and the war correspondents that came before me, Uh, the Edward R. Murrows, uh, the the Cronkites, the the people who did journalism the old-fashioned way, the right way, to give people the news, tell people what's happening and let them up with their own opinions about what's taking place and so I've always admired war correspondence and I think that going to places that other people won't go and telling stories that otherwise wouldn't be told is a is an admirable goal and so I, that's my focus each and every day and I think I was drawn to this line of work because of people I I find it quite fascinating to see how people operate in these environments and I think that it's important that we can be here to tell the stories of humans amid war because People are often focused on the bombs and the bullets and the explosions. And while these are all parts of the stories that we tell, it's really about humans. as, as you know, it's, it's about people and what drives them to do things and the emotion behind that and how we can break all of that down. So I think that's what drives me to do this work. And I feel a massive responsibility to be here and tell these stories in an accurate way so that people not only understand what's happening on the ground, but but care about it. How do I make people care? That's the question that I ask myself each and every day.
0: Trey, I know this one's gonna be hard, man. Absent of politics, you know, ultimately I say war's a, a failure of broken di- policy, uh, diplomacy. Uh, nobody wanted to see October 7th happen. That was absolutely barbaric. But nobody wants to see Palestinians lost by the thousands. Paint a, a picture from your perspective of just how tragic the situation is as a whole. And I, if I understand it correctly, you were one of few uh, war correspondents that were allowed to accompany the IDF into Gaza this past weekend.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was inside the Gaza Strip over the weekend with the Israeli military as they were engaged in a firefight with Hamas militants. And it's not my first firefight, but it certainly was I would say one of the most dangerous assignments I've been on and 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 I was I I had some fear. And it's healthy to have some level of fear in these environments because it's, it's unpredictable. And that situation was unpredictable. The Israelis have taken some losses inside Gaza. They've lost around 30 of their forces since the ground portion of this operation began. And so in terms of of the story here and, and what's taking place, I, I pride myself on being really the only correspondent on the ground today who's embedded both with the Israeli military and the military wing of Hamas, the al Qassam Brigades. I have interviewed leadership from Hamas and I've also interviewed Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. And this access is based on trust. It's based on people knowing that I'm going to go to a location and tell people exactly what's happening. And I've offered this to Hamas leadership in the past before that if you're going to fire rockets at civilians, I'm going to report that. And if you're going to cut a peace deal, I'll report that too. And so, it's an incredibly complex story and a challenging political story to tell because there's a lot of emotions behind what's taking place and two things can be true at once the massacre that took place in southern israel on october 7th was a horrendous horrendous thing the the worst of humanity on display and there are also two million palestinians inside gaza as we speak and many of them are caught in the crossfire these two things are not mutually exclusive and we have to talk about the entire story, when we tell this story, understanding that war is messy, it's complex, and there are many innocent people who are losing their lives as the war unfolds.
0: That's insane that you've put yourself in a situation to report on Hamas. Um, it's almost like stepping into the lion's mouth. That, I mean, the amount of trust. Uh, how do you rectify that mentally that you're willing to accept that much risk to get the information
1: from their side as well? It's something that's quite challenging. And I'll I'll point to a conflict that erupted between Israel and Islamic Jihad in 2019. It was November of 2019. I was inside the Gaza Strip shooting a feature story. And a contact of mine in Hamas invited me to come to a military parade in the city of Han Yunus, the second largest city in Gaza.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it was an opportunity I didn't want to pass up. And I went to this military parade, interviewed militants, and I shot this firsthand To see what it's like inside Gaza whenever the display of weapons is taking place. Now, this was a few years ago, and I was slated to come out, I think it was a Tuesday morning, and early that morning, the Israelis conducted a targeted assassination against Baha Abu Alata, an Islamic Jihad rocket commander. And this led to days of fighting between Israel and Islamic Jihad, hundreds of rockets being fired into Israel, the Israelis launching airstrikes inside the Gaza Strip, and I was trapped inside Gaza. They closed the border, and I was the only international journalist there. And so it was an incredibly dangerous assignment, but one that I was on and there was no getting out of, there was no checking out of, this was it. And so in that moment, you have to just show up, understanding that the opportunity to tell this story is before me and and just getting the work done. And so I, I stay focused on the mission and I'm always telling my team this and it's something that we talk about each and every day, a mantra that i have amid this conflict is is simply to stay focused on the mission and so that's what i do day in and day out and even in these dangerous environments i think that you have to just remember why we're here we're here to get this information and the news out to our audience and that drives me each and every day
0: purpose on the subject of focus man let's again this is men's journal we're always interested in performance I mean, you don't have a set schedule. It seems like every time I turn on Fox, you know, Trey Yingst is is given a report. How many uh, hours of sleep are you probably averaging uh,
1: a day right now? I'm getting a little more sleep now than I was at the beginning of the conflict. The early days of this war, I really wasn't sleeping at all. An hour or two a night for the first few days of this war. My team and I were down here as the attack on October 7th was unfolding. I live about 45 minutes away. I'm, I'm based in the Middle East for Fox. And so... This was a conflict that we, early on, were some of the only international journalists here covering. And so now I'm trying to get a little bit more sleep and and take care of myself as much as possible. But in terms of of how we do this and and how we're built as a team to cover this, because this is truly a team effort. Uh, You you see me on camera reporting, but behind the camera, we have my my producer, my technician, uh, my cameraman, our security team. And it's really a a story that we have to cover around the clock because there are developments each and every hour. But, but personally, during times of peace, I am preparing for times of war. Mm -hmm. I am each and every day waking up, going to a cold plunge, uh, making sure that my body and my mind are ready for when a war erupts. I'm going to the gym, I'm running and then mentally preparing as well. Meditating, ensuring that I'm doing breathing exercises and Lately, like I said, the cold exposure has been a critical element to my mental and physical health, just because it's placing yourself in an environment that's not only uncomfortable, but often feels like panic. And anyone who's done cold exposure will tell you that first minute your body is panicking. And part of doing this exercise is learning how to control your mind, learning how to control your breath. And those things are applicable in this environment, when you're nervous, when you're you're feeling scared, Going into combat, understanding that if your mind takes over and you're not able to control yourself that you're not only putting yourself in danger but you're putting your team in danger, and so I think that mental focus is is a critical element to all of this
0: you know Trey, the way you just explained that is coming from the military twenty years you know at a time of peace we always said we were training for for the next time of war. Uh, I didn't realize how true that is for war correspondents as well the ones that actually uh you know pursue the story and get as close as possible to to give the facts. With that, you've been exposed to a lot of trauma. If it's not Ben Hall, your good friend, reporter, getting critically wounded in the Ukraine and tragically losing the cameraman who is very close to you, you saw things that I haven't even seen on October 7th, acts of complete barbarism and, and, and horror. But with all these wars, all that you've seen, and we all know mental health is a pinnacle topic right now within America. How do you, again, sort of rectify that within your head? How do you deal with that trauma? Which again, is not, it's not siloed to war. Uh, somebody driving down the road can see a tragic auto accident, a child that's been taken. Um, how are you handling with the mental component of what you do?
1: It's tough, Mike, really. I think that's one of the hardest parts of my job. And I first try to be very vocal about it. I don't hide from it. And I think that war men should talk about mental health and ways to address it. And I think the first, the first step in, in addressing it is talking about it, understanding that it's an issue that needs, needs assistance and, and needs support. Uh, personally, I find that covering war in the middle of the war is not the most challenging part. It's when the, the conflict ends. It's when we go home and we lay in bed or we sit on the couch and we have time to really think about what we've seen. And I'll I'll tell you about Ukraine only because I feel I can't properly tell you about this conflict as well right now because I'm in the middle of it. I don't have time to process what I'm seeing right now because I'm still covering it. But with Ukraine, coming back from Ukraine after seeing really horrendous things on the ground, you've seen war firsthand and it's, it's not pretty. But we were in Bucha as they were digging up bodies from mass graves. We were on the front lines where the bodies of soldiers were spread throughout the area, reporting in in these areas. And again, at the time, you're not always thinking about the impact that it has on you, but you get home and you start to have nightmares about these scenes and you start to have weird nightmares where you're recalling the war, but the war is actually taking place at your home. And suddenly your yard is the battlefield and you're looking for your friends and family to see if they've got weapons to protect you. and, and it's. It's confusing and you wake up, panic, and, and that's real. And, and that's the, the stress that your mind goes through in, in war. And so I find that those dreams, and that's been really one of the ways that it plays out for me, decrease over time, certainly right when you get back. It, it, for me, it was every night. Um, but now my focus is, is so on, on what's taking place in front of me, I feel like I don't actually have time to process what we've seen here. And in many ways, what we've seen here was, was worse than what I saw in Ukraine. Mm. We were in uh, a small kibbutz, a small community called Beri, after the Israelis took it back from Hamas militants. And I'll just give you a quick scene of, of what we saw. We followed the Israelis in and on the left side of the road, what looked like a dirt mound in the distance was actually the bodies of Palestinian militants piled up. And as we entered Berry, it was clear that a massacre had taken place there. We we went into some of these homes, and people were executed in their homes. As we got out of the first home that we were in, that was totally covered in blood. It was a house of horror. We walked uh, deeper into this normally quiet community that's known for its art gallery. And we had to be careful where you walked as to not trip over the bodies that were laying in the, the yards of this community. And these things are are things that people are not meant to see but it's part of our role as journalists on the ground not only to witness what's taking place but to document it to ensure that the people around the world some of whom are are saying this didn't happen or didn't happen in the way that it it truly did that we can present them with evidence because that's our role it's to come here and to show people what's happening not to tell people what to think not not to tell people what to believe but to show people what took place and what took place on october 7th was a massacre it was a massacre against civilians against innocent people in their homes and what's unfolding right now is war and war is is challenging there's a lot of fog of war and we've just got to cut through that fog and get to the facts
0: trey that's uh, talking to a lot of veterans from the the global war on terror compartmentalizing in the moment seems to be a common theme but eventually you've got to unpack that trauma and it sounds like you've made strides to, to doing that uh, as, as a whole. And, and we need to replicate that for as many veterans as possible. Uh, Trey, you are doing valuable work. I don't wanna take from your time. What you're doing is, is amazing. I know for, from all Americans, you're our, our voice to the information we're receiving. So from a grateful nation, thank you. And all I can say is God bless to you and your entire crew. Please be safe and come home. Thank you, Mike. All right, guys. This has been the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior podcast. I'm your host, Mike Sorelli. I've been with Trey Yingst, who is in Israel following the war up close. Thanks for joining us, and until next time.